can uh, make your way back to your seat. It's a good way to start the morning. I think we want to take advantage of the opportunity to do that as much as possible. Um, I think as a, as a body, uh, get the chance to do it. And Sunday morning provides a unique opportunity for missional communities, but I, I think if we limit it, limit it to just those, then it's just not going to be enough. So discipleship and caring for the body as a whole requires us to be connected and to know each other. So let's do that more consistently. Um, all right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to go verses 4 through 11. Um, we're trying to move slowly through this. Uh, if you have any <coughs> questions about previous sermons, first of all, you can listen to them. Um, and last couple sermons were about prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's a lot to cover in two sermons. And so if you, um, we're just trying to lay a groundwork. Uh, I think if you came into this series expecting that there would be full understanding by the end of this, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, a lot of this comes through time, experience, patience, sitting with the Lord and learning together. And so while we're trying to lay, lay some biblical groundwork um, and preparation, theological preparation um, for as to how we're going to practice these things, um, we also understand that it should drum up questions. And, and I think we're asking that um, if you have those questions, you can bring them to us and we can continue to discuss it amongst the body. Um, all right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 4 through 11, it says, Now there are a variety of gifts. There's that word, variety. The same Spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit to, uh, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let me pray over the word. Father, that's your word. Um, Lord, it is, um, I think of, I think men, what Peter said, men that have been carried along by the Holy Spirit, Lord, are the ones that, that you use to write down this word so that we could have it before us. And it is absolutely miraculous. Um, Lord, I, I think we can grow numb um, as we see many Bibles and um, many different, um, I think of just the the mass production of Bibles in the United States, and we can lose sight of just how miraculous it is that we have your word. Um, and so let us marvel again today. Um, let us run to your word, see it as the solid ground that it is, run to it for truth and guidance and wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would guide your people this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the one leading. In your name, amen. All right, so thus, thus far we covered prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Um, and there's a reason that we did that. And if you look at like these three chapters, these very crucial chapters in 1 Corinthians, so 12, 13, and 14, um, Paul, we started with prophecy and tongues um, because that's what the bulk of Paul's um, writing is about in these passages. You go to chapter 14, and it's really all that he's outlining. It's because of the context of the Corinthian church. 
Uh, and so as we look at these different giftings, uh, we wanted to emphasize and to draw barriers only where we see them in Scripture, and, and we also wanted to put time on the ones that we see that Paul puts an emphasis on. Because in the end, and what I want us to know here is if you were to read just the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, especially these three chapters, it, it doesn't seem that Paul's emphasis is that we even know what these gifts are and how they function. His emphasis is on, is on how they're displayed um, and the necessity that they're displayed. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care that we don't know and understand them. But I can make the argument, and I think Brian said it last week, that it's probably not even an exhaustive list. Like the Holy Spirit works in many, many ways throughout the body, and he doesn't take time to outline and define every single one of these. And so we're limited to the context. But what he does do is over and over and over again outline, illustrate, how they're meant to be displayed within the body. We are one body, love is the aim, earnestly desire to do this out of love. And so this is his emphasis. And while I think it's important that we know these gifts, um, and we're gonna take time to walk through each and every one of them, um, just to be honest, we've slowed down. Um, we've talked about prophecy in tongues, but I think at this point we're um, we are leaning into, we have been leaning into just what, what is God call, what is the pace that God's calling us into? And specifically this week, there were a lot more giftings that were on the docket and there was like three of them that were pushed off. So we're just kind of slowing down a little bit. So here's the list of giftings just so that you can see them. This is this list we're getting from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter four. Um, and so you have apostle, which we're gonna talk about at, at, um, at some point. We've talked about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, um, and today we're going to talk about working, um, no, we were going to talk about working of miracles. We're going to talk about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and faith, uh, and so we're going to make our way through these as we go throughout the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. So just so that we can define things, this is how we define tongues. Tongues was prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. So if you have questions about that, you can look at last week's sermon. Um, that's something that could be spoken in a known language or an unknown language. And I think it's something that we see displayed throughout the New Testament, specifically at Pentecost, like right when the Holy Spirit arrives. And we talk about, man, how does God use language in this ultimate kingdom where there's gonna be a day that we are all praising the Lord together? Many tongues, many nations, and the beauty of God potentially using tongues to break through and display the kingdom now in those moments. And that's like, that is a lot to comprehend how that could even happen. Um, we see it outlined in scripture. And I think Brian said, it's especially difficult to discuss or imagine when you haven't experienced it yourself. And so we give examples of that and we lean on scripture most importantly, but we also lean on the examples of others. Um, and then also we talked about the interpretation of tongues. So again, boundaries in this, it says the ability to understand someone who is speaking in tongues and can communicate that message to the church. So this is the individual that, the one that receives the tongue is also, then you also have someone that interprets that tongue for the church so that it can be understood and what Paul says done decently and in order. And I can appreciate me being someone that likes a home that is decent and in order. I can appreciate that. Um, and then prophecy. Uh, we define this as, um, not we, uh, Wayne Grudem, define this as telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. And it's gonna be helpful for us today because as we look at word of wisdom and word of knowledge and faith, it's gonna put into context a little bit as to how these all, all of these gifts fit 
together. So word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Um, there are, uh, how many people, would you say that you've considered, you've considered these two gifts before? Word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Can you raise your hand if you're like, yeah, I've thought about these things. Okay, all right, good. Um, because I think oftentimes when we talk about like continuationists and the spiritual gifts, I mean, we'll talk about like, these are the ones that just kind of get pushed to the side because we talk about like, um, if you're a cessationist, you'll just talk about like serving and like administration and the gifts that are definitely good in the body. You're probably not gonna talk about prophecy and tongues, but if you're a continuationist, you're probably gonna talk about prophecy and tongues and you're gonna try to figure out how these gifts fit together in the whole picture. These ones just kind of get pushed to the side as they're like, well, you know, we don't really know where to put them. Um, and there's actually reason for that in scripture. We're gonna talk about it a little bit. So these are the views. Um, these are the two primary views that are seen around these gifts. So word of wisdom and word of knowledge. So the first view is that God is revealing to someone supernatural wisdom or knowledge in a, in a particular situation. Um, God's revealing to someone supernatural wisdom or knowledge in a particular situation. And the, the crux of that is that it's, it's a relevatory gift. So it's relevatory in its nature. Um, so one of the arguments for this position is that um, the majority of the other gifts that are listed in this grouping, like we talked about Paul giving grouping, groupings, are relevatory. Uh, so if you think about tongues, if you think about prophecy, if you think about the interpretation of tongues, um, relevatory, even if you think about healing, like that, that like God is doing something miraculous, they're miraculous in nature, um, that God is doing something that is, doesn't, isn't accomplished by normal, natural means. And so if you look at this gift, you're like, yeah, these grouping of gifts, that's their argument. Um, and you see an example of this. So it's um, Acts chapter five, verse three says, uh, but Peter said, Ananias, uh, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? So you're like, where does that come from? Well, there's this moment where um, soon after the church is assembled where Peter um, and the other disciples are sitting there and there's gifts being brought for the church and Ananias and Sapphira bring a gift, but it's revealed to them through the Holy Spirit that they, didn't, they were deceptive in the way that they gave their gift. And so there's this knowledge, this utterance that is spontaneous. It's in a moment. It's revealed to them. And it, it absolutely is from the Lord. And it shapes the way that the church reacts, the way that they instruct. And so it's a perfect example of this. Um, and I believe, and I want to say this, like, first and foremost, like, I, I believe that that's something that we should pray for. Like, I believe that we should pray that God would give us that kind of knowledge. Like, if there's something that we should know, if there's a wisdom that we should have for another individual or for ourselves that God can reveal to us, I, I believe that we should be seeking that. But the question in this passage is, is that what Paul is talking about? Um, and I think I want you to hear that wherever you land on this, there's room for what we just described because we see it in scripture. Um, but I think the difficulty in the other view in this and the way that we're gonna see these, um, the other view says this, it's simply the ability to speak to others in a way that conveys wisdom and knowledge. And it's more natural in nature. Um, so the argument for this view stems from context also. So if you look at like his groupings, like this grouping of gifts, uh, we say that they're miraculous, which is true. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, at the beginning of what we said, 
what he seems to be obsessed with is this idea that there's varieties. So he says over and over again in verse four, now there's a varieties of these gifts, but the same spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And so I think there's just as much weight. I will say that. I think you can hold either perspective, but I think there's just as much weight for the perspective that says, okay, it would make more sense for Paul to then give a grouping that has displays a variety of both natural and what we would call miraculous types of gifts because he's not de-emphasizing one or overemphasizing one. He's teaching us how to value them, value them appropriately. And so I think that holds just as much weight. Um, see, the other thing is that he already has a word that is outlined um, and uh, that and we see in scripture that is displayed for something that is um, something that God has spontaneously brought to mind, um, which would be prophecy. And so I think that's the difficulty in this, that the only place that these two words, so if you were to look at the words that are used, which is logos Sophia and logos gnosis. So word, which is a word that is used all over the place, always means word, logos. And then Sophia, which is wisdom, um, it generally just means wisdom. And then knowledge, the, like the words in and of themselves aren't spectacular. The words that are used all over the New Testament. And then when you put them together, there's never a point where Paul says any outside of this, this moment right here, there's never a point where Paul speaks a specific utterance of wisdom gift. And so you're kind of left with this like, so what do we do with this? And I think I'm happy standing in the middle and saying, I see that we are absolutely, we see the Lord reveal specific words at specific times. But at the same time, I think what you see here is that Paul has a description for something that is revelatory, something that is revealed by God is supernatural in nature and is miraculous. And he describes it as prophecy. And so I think if you find yourself in that camp, you're, you're, you're in good company. Um, and, and I think it's a good way to see it. And it's the way that we're going to see it. And because as just as an elder team is because what it does is it gives us the parameters of prophecy, the same parameters that we see throughout scripture so that it can be used and done in an orderly fashion. Um, I think so then the question is, all right, so then what is this? And if it is just what we say it is, which is speaking wisely or with knowledge to someone else, then I think it does some pretty incredible things for us as a church. Um, I think it helps us to properly place prophecy where it should be, but I think it also helps us to like embrace knowledge and wisdom from the Lord the way that it should pro- appropriately be embraced. Um, it's a gift. Uh, as I was as I was preparing for this sermon, we had a church that called up last second, um, Grace Point Church, and their college ministry. Um, they started at UC Berkeley in California, and they called us last minute and said, "Hey, we we're supposed to have this big event, and it fell through. And so, like the space that we were going to have it fell through, and we've got like." The, the head guys coming into town and there's New York City's coming and all of, all of, our, camp, all of our places are coming together and we don't, have a, we don't have a space. And we were like, we don't have Bollywood this Saturday, so you got it. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, we were, they were so, so encouraging. 
um, and excited to use the space. I was just like, it was everything. Like, it's just like, feel, what, a, what a gift it is to give, you know? Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm upstairs just kind of like reading through stuff and preparing and thinking, okay, so what is an example? And I've got sem- several people in, our li- in my life, and, and I pray that you do as well, that just speak wisely into your life. Um, people that display knowledge in a way that's a blessing to you. Um, and there's examples of that that I could point to. But as I'm preparing this, I get a knock on the door, and it's them finishing up their service. Um, and so, you know, he says, hey, I want to introduce you to the head guy. Uh, he, he came into town. I would love for you to meet him. Great. Uh, and so I'm, I walk downstairs, and I'm introduced to Ed um, and Kelly Kang, Ed Kang. Um, and immediately, I mean, I'm saying, like, as immediately when I shook this man's hand, there's something about someone that you're just like, I, you, wisdom oozes off of you, you know? And I just began to talk to him, and, and he's just immediately grateful. And he's, he's like, man, thank you so much for letting us use this space. I start, I just, I immediately, I want my notebook. I'm like, I just like, I know there's gonna be some nuggets here. And, and he's, I, so I got questions about like, college ministry and like transferring from college to like real life and how do you do that and like what's the best way to do it and and how do you help your people and and he's like he's talking about like he's like he's just he's calm and and he says I've been doing this for 40 years um and he said as we stood here in your space um and we prayed over you guys he said I don't cry much but like as as I was praying I just began to cry because I'm amazed that there is anyone still that, that would be audacious enough to believe that they could plant a church in this day and age. Um, and, and I'm telling you, as, as he just like shared wisdom about community, about proximity, about discipleship, about I, there was a comfort. Like, there was, like, a real, like, comfort for my soul and a wisdom that was displayed that only comes from knowing the word and walking with the spirit for time, just time. And um, the only way that I could think about it was like an oak tree, you know? It's like this solid oak that has weathered so many storms. And as you draw near to it, there's just a security that is felt by you and the others around them. And and when we look at utterance of wisdom and utterance of knowledge and speaking wisely and speaking with knowledge to one another, that is what we offer to each other, is that we can, as a body, speak wisely and offer knowledge and truth in a way that comforts the body. Um, As we were preparing this, we had someone that we were talking a lot about gifts, and and one of our people said, that there are some gifts that are just for the harmony of the church. And we, it's just, it just sunk in. And I'm like, this is one where it's just like, this provides a harmony. This provides a, a unity and, and a togetherness that is unique. Um, so I, I want to call us towards this. And the way that I want to compel us towards this is to look, first of all, first of all at the value of Scripture. So in Colossians 3.16, says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And then Paul says in Romans 15, 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, 
filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. <laughs> You're competent, that's good. Um, but you begin to look at this and you say, okay, so there's this like the word itself, we, we know that it sharpens, we know that it cuts between bone and marrow, we know that, and what Paul sees as it is actually, it provides for us wisdom and, and, and instruction in the life that we walk through as a body. And so this is, if we begin to think about our gifts, not just as gifts that we can have ourselves, but we begin to think about our gifts as gifts that are meant for the body, it should change the way that we do everything and pursue everything, especially wisdom and knowledge. So as you sit down with the word in the morning, can you do this? Like, we're gonna, we're gonna be asking that you participate in a different way by the end of this sermon. But as you sit down with the word in the morning, can you please open the word, and before you open it, say, Lord, this wisdom and knowledge is yours. Lord, would you teach me, and would you bless others? Like, have you considered the fact that maybe the blessing that God has for you in this moment is actually for another. Like in your pursuit of knowledge is essential. As a member of the body, it is absolutely essential. Not just for yourself, but for the body as a whole. We need you to do that. We need it. We desperately need it. And we're blessed by it. And then the contrary is also true. Whereas if, if there is a member of the body that does not seek truth, that does not seek wisdom, or knowledge that it is actually going to drastically impact the body. Like, there is going to be opportunity for deception. There's going to be opportunity, not just in your own personal life, but because we are one, there's going to be opportunity for the body to be hurt in that way. And so I think whether you look at it as like, on the positive or the negative, it is essential that every member of our body were to be pursuing knowledge and truth. Um, Paul says it, uh, Peter says it this way, um, in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, 7, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, love. You see how knowledge actually fits into what we're saying, which is the end, which is pursue love. And, and how these build on one another. And if you're asking for perseverance and you're seeking godliness, that you can't do it without knowledge. There's an, there's an essential element that we are called to pursue, which is utterance of knowledge for each other, that we would speak wisely, that we would seek the Lord, that we would seek to understand him in his word, and that we seek that he would speak through us. And whether that's in a revelatory moment where he just miraculously gives us something for somebody else, or whether that's what, he mo what we see most often, which is that it comes through time with the Lord, time in his word. Um, the second thing that we see here, or the, um, the other gift that we're gonna cover is faith. So um, faith is the third gift in our list. Um, the ESV study Bible, I think, gives a helpful note at the bottom. It says, the gift of faith is a special endowment of faith for accomplishing a task. A special endowment of faith for accomplishing a task. Um, 
I think that it can be spontaneous uh, and that the Holy Spirit gives um, faith for a specific moment and specific time. And as we're going to talk about later in healing and miracles, like faith and healing and miracles go hand in hand. And so I I think you're going to see that like there are specific moments and times where faith is given in a supernatural and absolutely miraculous way where you would step into a moment where there's someone that specifically with healing that God is God wants to heal and that the Holy Spirit would stir in you a faith that is just unrecognizable. You're like, I just believe that God can do this and God can bring about that faith in you. Um, but what he also does is it's a constant blessing to the body. So it's something that is spontaneous, but it's also another word that's used is residential. Like there's a supernatural faith, a gift of faith that all believers have, but then there's those in the body that have a faith that is just unique. And it just serves as a consistent blessing to the body. And it's essential to the body. So Jesus talks about faith like this, specifically around healing uh, in Matthew chapter eight. So the centurion replies, so this is when Jesus meets the centurion. It's the one thing that Jesus marvels at in scripture, but uh, the centurion replies, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say, the word and and my servants will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this and he does it. So you have this man that comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is ill and I need you to heal him. And he starts with, I'm a man of authority as well. And he's pointing to the authority of Jesus. He said, I know who you are. Like I know the authority that you have. I have faith that you can say it and it's done. And And this is what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. It's faith. There's this belief that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he said he was going to do. Um, Later, Jesus makes this this statement to his disciples. This is is, uh, another uh, kitchen mug statement, but he says, uh, Matthew 17, 20, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you is literally all that makes it on the mug. But there's a lot more that's said there where he's like, there's, there's like, do you understand? It's the same thing. Do you understand the authority that Jesus has? And I, if you have just even the smallest faith, even enough to tap into the littlest bit of that authority that is in Christ, you could move mountains. Like what a way, what a way to describe the product of faith, that God uses this faith. And it's absolutely crucial. When it comes to healing, James says it this way, uh, James 5.15, in the prayer of faith, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Um, Brian's gonna talk a little bit more about faith and healing next week. But what we see is that faith plays a crucial role um, in watching the Lord heal. Um, We also see this faith that just resides on people. So um, you look at uh, Stephen, Stephen in, in Acts is one of these people in Acts 6, 8. Specifically, I don't, we don't usually do the King James Version, but the King, King James Bible says this about Stephen. It says, Stephen, um, full of faith and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
And I think the ESV says grace and power. Um, and you see this in his life, that God used the life of Stephen, and particularly one of the things that you see in his life, that the Holy Spirit was displayed in him, and there was faith. There was this belief that led to signs, that led to wonders, that led to him ultimately paying the price of his life. Um, but it changed not just him, it actually ignited the church as it moved forward. Um, so who is God and what can he do? Um, Romans 12 says this, it says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think of with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Um, one of the difficulties with faith, now I don't think this passage is about, um, I don't think the spiritual, there's a distinction between the spiritual gift of faith and just faith. Um, again, faith is something that, that we place our belief in Jesus and who he is and what he's done. We repent of our sins and we follow the Lord and we actually display that faith in the way that we live. Um, but I, I think one of the things that we have a hard time with is that in, in this, it says that um, have sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you. Um, and we see this within the body and we have a hard time acknowledging this, that there are different levels of faith even within our body. And Paul's message from the beginning, in the, what he says right now, he's like, be humble, like have sober judgment. Even the faith that you've been given has been assigned to you, you know? Like this isn't of you, like this is, God is gifting you this faith. So be humble in the way that you use it. And, and I think something else that you see is that like, it's absolutely essential. Like if you're someone that like, which is, we have all gone through seasons of doubt. We've all gone through these seasons where you're just like, my faith is, it feels weaker than it's ever been. And all, I, there's one of the things that is absolutely essential and what I see in here is that from Paul to go from be humble, that, that we all have different measures of faith and then immediately point to as one body, there's many members. You have to make the implication that those different levels of faith that have been assigned to each other are meant to work themselves out within the body. Like that there's the faith that you have, even if your brother's faith is stronger than yours in a moment, that it's essential that you would walk together in that faith. That at times, you may be at a point where you're like, I've, I just naturally, I have greater faith now than I ever have. And we need to talk about those times as well, where you're just like, my faith is stronger than it's ever been. And there's other times where you're like, my faith is weaker than it's ever been. And I would encourage you to run to the word. I would encourage you to admit your doubts. I would encourage you to reason honestly, like honestly about your even ability to reason, but at the same time to reason in a way that approaches not just your doubts, but approaches also who God is as a whole like all of the attributes of God, I would encourage you to pray and I encourage you to participate in the kingdom and his church and look to Jesus who is and embodies perfectly God in the flesh. But this is meant to be done together in and amongst your doubts. And I think we have a hard time with it, um, just that we're all given different measures. Uh, I, I never... Um, my brother, my older brother, was always smarter than me, always. And it wasn't like, ah, you know, like he's a little smarter than me. That dude didn't study, you know? It's just like one of those people where you're just like, 
golly. And I would come home and we would do the same amount of work and he would get like straight A's. And I would like, it, it was just terrible. You know, like I would come home and it was like, I'm struggling for a C, you know? And, and I think in the moment, it was just frustrating. Like it was frustrating more than anything. I was like, I want to, like, he seems to enjoy life better. <laughs> he's not in trouble as much. He, he does the same things. I, but he's just like gifted this, like, if it was said, it's just like he remembers it, you know? And I just never had that. And um, I think I, for a long time, I wrestled with it. And I think, uh, if you know my story, part of my story is that my older brother passed away. And I think part of me reasoning with how that worked itself out in my own life is for me to see at some point that, yeah, I, I probably, no matter how hard I studied, would never have attained the level of intellect that he just naturally had. Like, I, I, I think, but one of the things that God did is work through me and create a discipline that was only comes from lacking something. And I think for, for us, as we look at the different members of the body, what Paul is saying from the beginning is you need each other. Like, you need each other. And there's gonna be those that have greater this and those that have greater that, and we're going to talk about this at some point, but you, you do not strive for something that you don't have in a way that is just desiring of yourself. And you don't push down those that you also see as lesser. You just embrace what God's given you. And faith is also one of those. And so know who has faith. Know it. Don't be ashamed of it if you do. <laughs> you know? Like, know who has faith in your body in the moments that you're like, I just need I just need someone that's solid, that just feels like a rock for me right now. Can we come and just have coffee? You know, can we just like get together and run to the word, run to the Lord together, but use the faith of the other. That's what it's meant to do. Um, so faith, we were meant to do this together. Well, um, I want to talk a little bit about in conclusion, something that's just been on my heart. As we, can you turn with me to Psalm 46? Uh, Psalm, they're songs. And Proverbs, they're probably somewhere in the middle of your Bible. If you go to the middle, you're probably gonna find Proverbs. If you go to the left, you're gonna find songs. Um, and there's a lot of them. But if you go to Psalm 46, um, they're songs that are written. Uh, most of them by David. And um, honestly, I, I don't know why this one came up, and I can't really even remember. Um, it, I, think I thought it was incredible today that Nerissa talked about a tree being planted by water um, because this is just how God works. But this nurtured my soul this week, and I pray that it will do the same for you. Um, you may have heard this song before. Uh, and if you have, I'm praying that you would be able to just see it new. And I'm, maybe you'll find the same things, and I pray that they're the same encouragement for you, but maybe you just be open to see, like, what is the Lord teaching us in this? Um, Psalm 46 says this. Um, can we actually stand for this? <clears throat> Psalm 46, starting in verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, 
though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You can be seated. There are many things that were an encouragement this week to that. In the beginning, the very first thing that you see is God is our refuge and strength. There are so many things in the ancient world that you could see as your refuge and strength, whether it's the wall, whether it's your army, whether it's your, the size of your people. And he says, for my people, for my people, God is our refuge. That's where our help comes from and our security. And then as he moves, moves through, like there will be no fear uh, through the, though the earth gives way, though everything seems like it's falling in around you, though it feels like the seas are roaring, he says, there is a river. Ah, what good news. If you think about the ancient world, like if there was a war that was happening, if there was a war that was happening, the way that you would defeat another army is that you would take out their source of life, which is the river. Like you would take out, the, and then you would just wait it out. And you, would, and you would wait until they grow thirsty and they come out and surrender. But what we see here is that what he describes is that in the midst of the city, which is Jerusalem, which is the people of God, there is a river. And that river, its streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of his people. God is with us. I know, I know, I know that it's hard because I've felt it in my own heart. I've felt it in my own life where it just feels like the waves are too much, you know? It feels like everywhere you turn, there's just another wave. And what we need, what we need more than anything, is to be reminded that there's a river. Like there's a river in the midst of God's people that brings life. 
that no matter what's going on outside of our walls, that no matter what's going on inside our walls, that there is a source of life in the spirit of God that is real. God is with us. We are the temple of the almighty God. And in his temple is his presence. It's always been that way. And the question is for us, And I think what the psalmist is calling us to right here is no matter what's going on, be still. Just will you be still? Um, still in what? Knowing that he is God and that in the end, he is with us and victory is already his. He said, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. God is with us. He's our fortress. Um, when writing about this, uh, this psalm, Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, divine grace, smoothly flowing, fertilizing, full and never-failing river yields refreshment, consolation to believers. I don't think I have it up there, so just listen. This is the river of the water of life, of which the church above as well as the church below partakes evermore. It is no boisterous ocean, but a placid stream. It is not stayed in its course by earthquakes or crumbling mountains. It flows its serene course without disturbance. Happy are they who know from their own experience that there is such a river. Um, I don't know. Oh, man, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if your whole life you have experienced the river through someone else. I don't know if your whole life that you have watched others sit by the river of the Holy Spirit in his word and you have seen others and rejoiced in that and been close enough to be refreshed by the refreshment of others. But what we're calling you to right now is to enjoy it yourself. Like, can we together, as a body and as individuals, run to this river, find our source of life in this river? And as we talk about all of these giftings, not be distracted by understanding them perfectly by being in God, like perfect timing and are we doing it right? It's like, he's with us. Like, like God is with us. And, and he's asked us just to, just to be with him and participate in drinking in this, of this river. So we wanna call the church into a couple different ways that we will be still. And we wanna call it in particular between now and Easter. Um, and there really was no reason that it was between now and Easter. It just seems like a fitting time. Um, and of course, we look forward to Easter and think we can prepare our hearts in that. And I think we look forward to celebrating the resurrection together. But I think there's three ways in particular that we're asking that we would participate in this together. The first is that we would stop. Will you stop with us? Um, 
what I mean by stop is that I'm going to try to get extremely, extremely practical because um, I, I want you to know what you're committing to. And it could be more or it could be less, but I'm saying this is what we're doing. Um, you can, can you stop twice a day, set a timer for like five minutes and just sit in silence? Can you put away your phone? Can you just sit before the Lord? Maybe open the word and read Psalm 46, but then just put it aside and just be still. Can you just listen? Twice a day. It could be the morning, it could be the evening, it could be the middle of your day, it could be in the car, it could be in a closet, it could be your kitchen, it could be wherever. Can you stop twice a day and do that? One thing that I would encourage you to do is let God sow the first seed in your day. And this is something I struggle with myself. Can, can you, even if this isn't your moment that you stop, I would encourage that it is. Like, can you let God, the very first thing, there are gonna be seeds sown in your mind and your heart all throughout the day. Can you just let God sow the first one? Can you just allow his word and time with him to be the very first thing that you dwell on? Um, will you ask with us? God says that we, that if we knock, the door will be open, that it will be asked and it will be given to us. And so we're asking. Um, we're asking for greater faith in the body, in ourselves, in others. We're asking for new spiritual breakthrough in the body. We're asking for unity, for encouragement. We're asking that God would bring to faith those around us, that they would see and taste for themselves that God is good. Those are the things that we're asking for together. And then last, will you fast with us? Um, fasting, that may make you guys nervous. It makes me nervous. I like to eat. Um, I, and it's, it's naturally something that's hard, um, but we... Um, and if there's, if obviously, if, if there's like health reasons that you can't do this, that's totally fine. But we want to set a set time that we are going to fast together. We're inviting you to fast. Brian and I fasted last week, um, and we're inviting you to fast with us this week, where we do not eat a meal on Sunday evening. We do not eat a meal on Monday morning. On, at Monday lunch, we break our fast together. And I would encourage you, if you have the ability, um, to at a minimum send a text to someone else that you know is fasting and say, hey, I'm breaking my fast with you, praying for you today. Um, at maximum, it would be great if you could grab someone else from the body and you could break that fast together. And I think it's an attainable goal for us. But the reason that we, the reason that we fast is not just so that we would have less, but so that we would be filled with more. Like that's what we see from Jesus is in particular one story in John chapter four. Um, it's where Jesus goes to the well and he's speaking to the Samaritan woman. Uh, I'm gonna have to quote it, I don't really know it, uh, where it is. Uh, where he's speaking to the Samaritan woman and they say that Jesus is hungry. And so after he's done speaking, they say, they say we should give you some food. And he says, I have food that you do not know of. I have nourishment. My food is to do the will of the Father. Um, what you see is that Jesus is pointing to, there is a sustenance, there's a provision, there's a nourishing that can come 
straight from the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not gonna be hungry. But in those moments, on the time that you would normally eat a meal, can you consume the word? You know, at the time that you would normally eat a meal, can you just, I mean, this is the very basics would be, can we just read the Sermon on the Mount? Just read the words of Jesus. Pray, move on with your day. And you may, we're praying, and these three things, this would cause us to be still. We're asking you to participate with us in this. Um, well, as the band comes up, as we close, can you look to your neighbor, right or left? Just take a moment. Um, and can you pray not just for yourself, because we're thinking outside of just ourselves. So can we pray for the body? Take one moment as they get ready and as, as we're getting ready to worship. Can we just pray together that God would draw us to the river, that we would find ourselves sitting at the source of life, and that together we would see that he's with us. Let's pray. Go ahead. Thank you.